This week on Myths and Legends, it's two stories related to fate. We'll see what happens with the first ever meal delivery kit, and why the game Close Your Eyes As You Cross the Bridge is, as you can imagine, not a great game. Next, we'll chance upon chance, fate's distant cousin, and facepalm our way through the countryside. Then, on the Creature of the Week, it's a New Year's demon that will either help you discipline your kids or peel your foot blisters. This is Myths and Legends, episode 252. Name that tune. This is a podcast where we tell stories from mythology and folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you might think you know, but with surprising origins. Others are stories you might not have heard, but really should. Today's episode comes inspired by a couple tales from Greek folklore. First up, it's a take on a story about a sack maker, but not just any sack maker, a singing sack maker. Two things can be said about him. One, he wasn't really a standout on either front, music or crafting, and he and his family existed well below the poverty line. Secondly, he was born before his time. With the right lighting, he probably could have racked up a lot of views and maybe even sponsors on a chill craft to music YouTube channel. But of course, that wasn't yet a thing. And so we open today at the singing sack maker studio after hours just as he's literally tying up loose ends. Yeah, still got it, the singing sack maker said, striking a pose, admiring his latest work and dance moves by lantern light. There was no audience, but he knew it anyway. He was awesome. Rubbing a stiff neck, the man sat down in his worn chair once more to put the finishing touches on the final project of the day. Yes, every sack was the same, but also yes, he crafted each one as though it were the only sack in the world. Quality, not quantity or efficiency or consistently feeding your family, quality. That was his exact motto. He worked a few more minutes before a familiar song spilled from his lips. It was always the same one, and it was easy to remember because it only had one line. I stopped it up myself. Now, it's okay to judge. One line? The whole song? One line? Well, that's what everyone in town said, too. But then, I don't know. There was something about the melody that just worked. It was so catchy, and before anyone knew it, it was topping the charts. Even that one guy's loot ditty that was all the rage two summers in a row became sort of out of sight, out of mind. More than that, this new song was also really applicable to everyday life. If you clogged a toilet, if you passed a reservoir of water with a leak, or anything with a leak really, I stopped it up myself was on the nose perfect. The sack maker sang this song pretty much constantly, and so anyone who passed by his open studio would hear his amazing tune. Even the king. I stopped it up myself. I stopped it up myself. I stopped it up myself. Wow, that song, it just keeps going. The king remarked to an attendant and continued on his way. But the next day, the king heard it again. And that night, it was the same story. So this time, the king stepped into the studio to have a word with the odd singing sack maker with the catchy tune. The king had 
so many questions. Like, how did you come up with that song? Why is that the only line? Don't you get bored with the same song? And what's your deal? The sack maker on this impromptu episode of Song Exploder wasn't sure where to start, but the king pressed for details. And so the craftsman shared how it all began. was all a dream, you see. The sack maker was frustrated by his lot in life. Why was the promotion never his? Why did poverty feel so permanent? Well, the sack maker had gone to bed one night after praying for answers. And that night, he had the strangest dream. He dreamt of Waterworld. But not the Kevin Costner catastrophe, but a world filled with lots of water. Springs were everywhere. Rivers and creeks, trickles and drips. Waterways of all shapes and sizes flowed everywhere you looked. There were people milling about, too. So the dreaming sack maker talked to someone and discovered that each waterway was a person's fate. It seemed success in life was measured not by hard work, but by the size of your dream state riverbed. And, uh, yeah, it was very much apparent that size mattered and not how you used it in life. Anyway... Naturally, the sack maker inquired as to which flowing river represented his fate, and he was directed by friendly personnel to a small drip on aisle five. Hmm. Well, that certainly explained a lot. His waterway was simply blocked by something further up the pipe. Maybe if he could dislodge the blockage. Ah, yes, with a convenient stick right here. Maybe he could fix this little problem and finally get that promotion his boss was always rejecting. Don't you... Own your own small business? Aren't you your own boss? The king interrupted. Uh, uh, never mind. Continue. Clearing his throat, the sack maker explained that Dream State sack maker picked up the stick and wiggled it around inside the dripping pipe. He felt the blockage all right, but just as he was trying to break it apart, the end of the stick snapped off and blocked whatever hole remained. You could say I... Stopped it up myself. I stopped it up myself. I stopped it up myself. The sack maker and the king couldn't help it and started dancing to the beat. Well, that is until the sack maker rolled an ankle and had to sit down. It was just his fate. Clearly, what was once a trickle had officially come to a stop at his own hands. That's when I woke up from my dream, and as you can imagine, I felt pretty down, the sack maker shared, his ankle already beginning to swell. He couldn't get that tune or the words out of his mind, and so, voila, the song came to be, and now played on repeat. Without a word, the king turned and left the studio, leaving the sack maker nursing his ankle and shrugging. Well, wasn't that just his fate? The next evening, however, something miraculous happened. The king, in the first ever meal delivery kit, sent over a pie to the sack maker's studio, complete with contactless delivery. All you had to do was pop it in the oven for who knew how long at the temperature of fire, and it would be done. For several minutes, the sack maker sat looking at the incredible pie. It was big, and according to the box, it wasn't just any pie. It was meat pie. He and his family of five could have full bellies for once. It would just be for one night, but hey, better than the nothing they were going to eat. 
but the pie would likely be enough for only one day, he realized. The sack maker sat back, thinking again about his unlucky fate. That was when an idea came to him. What if he used the pie to make a trade? He took off to the local eatery, his ankle already starting to feel better. By the time he arrived, he knew exactly what he would say. And it worked. One meat pie in exchange for a few loaves of stale bread and leftover pre-cooked food. Just like that, the sack maker had found a way to feed his family, not just for one day, but two or three. Little did he know, of course, that the pie he had given away, the pie given to him by the king, wasn't filled with meat at all, but gold coins. Coins intended for the sack maker and his family. It seemed, however, that he would never know. He ran home and presented his family with the stale bread and old food. Little did he know, however, that the pie he'd given away, the pie given to him by the king, wasn't filled with meat at all, but gold coins, which he just traded for some leftovers. In the morning, the king headed over to the sackmaker's studio with a mustache-top smile. Ah, the five-word song, the newly rich sackmaker. It would be interesting to see what the sackmaker would do now. The king approached with great anticipation. What the? The king muttered under his breath and ducked behind his attendant. Here was the sackmaker, poor as ever, working on the same old sack design as always. In a huff, the king turned on heel and returned home. That night, a second gift arrived from the king, a goose stuffed with gold. Of course, the sack maker had no idea and didn't bother to check it out, and instead lamented that the goose wouldn't feed his family as long as stale bread and old leftovers. Once again, the sack maker made a trade with the owner of the local eatery. This time, however, the cook loaded up the sack with every stale loaf and scrap of bread he could find, packed up with leftovers, and asked an employee to help carry the food back with the sack maker. Wow, thought the craftsman. His sack design carried so much stale bread. He should start using that as a selling point. Oh, and yeah, this would also feed his family for more days than before. The moment the eatery door closed, the owner's chef tore into the goose packed with gold. Wow, yeah, he was so rich now. Even earlier the next day, the king marched straight to the sack maker studio. Hey, man, um, how's life treating you? Anything, you know, ridiculously life-changing and awesome happened recently? Ah, you know, same old, same old, chuckled the sack maker, pausing his tune. Hmm, okay. Well, uh, maybe the king should be a little more direct. He asked the sack maker how the meat, pie, and goose were, wink, wink. He said he traded the gifts for longer short-term solutions. Five mouths didn't feed themselves, after all, and a sack maker had to do what a sack maker had to do especially if said sack maker sacks didn't exactly sell for stacks and stacks of cash. Oh my gosh, dude, come on! The king threw up his hands in the air and began to pace throughout the studio. Talk about plugging up your own fate for real. Ha, huh, I do believe the lyrics you're looking for are, I stopped it up my, yes, myself. I am quite aware. Okay, the king said, I'm gonna go. You stay here and I guess have a good day? With that, the king and his attendants left, leaving the sack maker to his work and song. The whole thing was unbelievable. And yet, the song, the meaning of the song, the king still wanted to help the fool of a sack maker. At the main bridge that every worker in town took to go home, the king paused. He had a plan. He whispered something to two of his attendants, 
then left with the rest of his entourage. It would work this time. It had to work this time. As twilight set in that evening, the sack maker stood and whistled. There it was, the signal to stop work and go home. He stretched and gathered his nothings, and then headed out toward the bridge. He was usually the last to close up shop. He was very disorganized, and tonight was no different. His tune trailed behind him for a little ways, before the sack maker lost himself in thought. What a rotten fate and boring day he had. Why not spice things up a bit? Yes, this was just what he needed. Ahead, the low railings of the bridge came into view in the shadows. The game was this. He'd close his eyes and see if he could make it across the bridge in one piece. If he did, yay! If he didn't, well, then falling off the bridge would be exactly his type of fate. Self-inflicted. Somehow, the sack maker made it across. Well, it looked like he would face another day after all. He went off down the path, whistling his number one hit song as he went. Back at the bridge, however, from the bushes lining the path, came a swarm of mutters and expletives. The boss man wasn't going to be happy about this. And by boss man, they meant king. You see, the king had planned for the sack maker to chance upon a large bag of gold in the middle of the bridge that night. To help the poor guy, the king would have to be direct and obvious, he realized. And he told two of his attendants to hide out next to the bridge. When the sack maker went home, they were to place the bag of gold in the middle of the bridge, making sure nobody took it other than the singing sack maker. He'll be the one singing that song, you know the one. The king had said, you can't miss him. It was true, too. You couldn't miss the sack maker. It was he, however, who did all the missing. Somehow, the sack maker missed the bag of gold. Sure, his eyes were closed for some reason, but how he didn't trip over the large and heavy bag was a mystery. It was actually quite impressive, except now the attendants had to tell the king the bad news. Awesome. The king's face turned cold the moment he saw the silhouette of the bag. One job. One job. Give the needy guy a big bag of money. It wasn't even that difficult a task. And yet, as the king thought about it, this kind of was their third attempt. The attendants apologized, explaining that there had been some unforeseen surprises the night before. Namely, the surprise that the sack maker hadn't seen the money because his eyes were closed. Like, who did that across a bridge? Look, guys, this obviously isn't going to work, the king broke in standing to his feet. Who could argue at this point that the sack maker had truly blocked up his own waterway of fate? Uh, yeah, sorry, your highness. I believe the words are, I stopped it up. My Enough, barked the king. He knew the lyrics. He was just trying to add a little variety to the sentence structure. Seriously, ever hear of a thesaurus? The point is, we're going to try this once and for all. Tomorrow morning, bring that foolish, foolish sack maker to my court. We'll see that sack maker finally get what's coming to him, but in the good way. But that will be right after this. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. (laughs) 
Early the next day, the sack maker bowed low before the king. One of the attendants flashed the craftsman a wide grin. That was the guy! The catchy song, can't give him money if you try, guy. He was here! The craftsman nodded, hey, thanks, always nice to meet a fan. Also, what was that second part? The king waved a hand, and a hush fell over the court. He told the sack maker all about the three attempts to give the man with the unfortunate fate riches enough to change the course of his life. The meat pie, the stuffed goose, the bag of money sitting out in the open right for the taking. But you closed your eyes on a bridge and walked right over it? Why? How? The king said at last. The sack maker looked surprised. Clearly, the only explanation was the craftsman's fate. All his ideas, trading the meat pie and the stuffed goose to the owner chef of the local eatery in exchange for sale bread, jazzing up his commute home the other night with a risky game of walk the bridge, fate must have put all those ideas into his head. The attendants and attendants nodded to themselves, but something the sack maker said caught the king's attention. Well, what was that thing you said? He asked. The part about the local eatery? It came to light that the sack maker, in trying to feed his family as best he could, had traded the Trojan pie and Trojan goose, but like the opposite of those things, because it was stuffed with good stuff, not angry Greeks, for stale bread and greasy leftovers. That was how the owner chef of the local eatery ended up in court that day, standing six feet away from the sack maker. They smiled at one another, although the smile on the owner chef's face seemed to be a little more forced. All at once, the king demanded an explanation. Stale bread and drippings from your crock pot. Really? For all that gold? The king asked, looking down his nose at the man who owned the eatery. The man laughed. Uh, did the king ever hear of buyer beware? Caveat emptor? Neither the king nor the sack maker were laughing. The sack maker also was still not sure what was going on. The eatery owner said, okay, so every time he got a meat pie or goose stuffed with gold, he had to run it by the king here? Real fair. And how many geese and pies stuffed with gold do you get? The eatery owner laughed, nervously this time. Yeah, go get the gold. And so it was that the poor sack maker's fate was forced to change that day, at the hands of the king. Maybe. I mean, never underestimate the sack maker's ability to self-sabotage. But for today at least, he had the equivalent of hundreds of thousands of dollars placed in his hands by the generous, mildly bored king. I have unstopped it up myself today, the king beamed, and because he was the king, everyone agreed that it was a great song. He was so talented. The next day, the sack maker scrapped his designs and became a merchant and definitely wasn't destitute in like two months. So I guess you can change your fate. All it takes is a rich and persistent king who loves your one line, one hit wonder and forgives you constantly re-gifting his gifts. Next up, it's another tale from Greek folklore. This time, we eventually meet Chance with a capital C. If you didn't know, she lives way out in the countryside. And with a little determination, it's actually possible to meet her. And this poor guy really needed to meet her. Like, forget a Zoom call, skip taking a number. This poor man needed a face-to-face -face right away. He was a good guy. Everyone said so. And yet, no matter what he did in life, 
or how much effort he dedicated to anything, nothing always seemed to happen. Fruitless, unsuccessful, disappointing, his labors were all those things. And one day, enough was enough. Determined, the man decided to seek out chance for himself, so he could ask her for a little change of pace, a win, even just one. He heard on the wind roughly where Chance lived, and so that's the way he set out. After a while, he came to a large body of water, too wide and too deep to cross without a boat. It was just his luck that there was no ferry in sight, too. And so the man sat down on a rock to think. Off in the distance, a ripple began to form. Then, a wake emerged and grew as the ripple swam toward the shore, toward the man thinking on a rock. A large fish popped its head above the surface of the shoreline and greeted the man with an eloquent, Hello? It's my fish impression. Whoa, okay, whispered the man in awe. That fish was massive. Look at the size of that thing. You could almost ride. Yeah, you could ride on that fish. Oh, he thought maybe he could ride the fish across the water to the other side. It was also nice. Yeah, it, okay, less impressive that the fish could talk. So the man opened up about his journey to find Chance. The fish grinned. It would be more than happy to carry the stranger across to the other side and help him on his journey. That was, if the human could do the fish a little favor, could he put in a good word with Chance? Specifically, I've got this awful pain in my back that no amount of physical therapy seemed to change, the fish said, stretching from side to side to highlight his limited range of motion. Of course, the man was happy to speak to Chance on the fish's behalf. But also, if the fish had persistent back pain, shouldn't he not carry a human on his back? The poor man was no ichthyologist, of course, but the what who The fish balked, looking a bit offended. Look, you want to ride or not? And so it was that the poor man sat gingerly atop the fish's bad back and hesitantly took the fish ferry across the lake. But no sooner did he wave goodbye to the fish and walk through the next field that a group of soldiers swarmed him from all sides, brandishing pointed weaponry and shouting all sorts of commands. The man raised his empty hands in the air and tried to make sense of the chaos. He eventually got the gist of it, from all the poking, that the stranger would be accompanying them back to their ruler's castle. From the looks of things, the man had trespassed and would now have to make a compelling case as to why. What are you doing in my land? Their formidable ruler demanded from the throne. And so the man explained his situation. He shared about his inability to catch a break in life, a case in point being arrested the moment he sets foot in a new land, his ride on the back of a fish with a bad back, and everything in between, which was basically just that he had decided to speak to Chance directly. When the man looked up, the throne was empty. Where had the... Oh, you're right there. That's not super close at all, he said with a jump. The ruler had sidled up beside the man while he spoke and was now practically leaning on his shoulder. Chance? The trespasser was going to speak with Chance? If I let you, will you promise to do me a favor? The ruler whispered with wide eyes. The thing was, heavy lies the head that wears the crown. Especially when we have a 100% failure rate when it comes to battles and skirmishes to date. We can't win ever, the ruler admitted but maybe chance can fix that. It was settled. The poor man walked out of the castle a free man and returned to the road, tasked now with asking chance about his future and the futures of both the losing ruler and the pained fish.
we'll see what happens when the man finally meets Chance herself. But that, once again, will be right after this. Eventually, he came across an expansive farm with beautiful fences and a Pinterest-worthy barn. He stopped when he saw the farmer wave and smile, and the pair got to talking. The farm was a blessing and a curse, it seemed, because the farmer tilled and sowed and worked the land year after year, only to come up empty-handed. No matter how hard he worked or how much effort he dedicated to producing a healthy harvest, there was never any yield. I've worked this field for decades, but there's never anything to reap, the farmer said, kicking a fence post. The man knew very little about farming, but even to him, this whole situation sounded pretty ridiculous. My life sounds ridiculous to you, the farmer frowned, gripping his pitchfork so tightly that his knuckles looked as though they might burst. Uh, say, good and patient, not ridiculous farmer, the poor man tried again. If I'm going to see Chance, why don't I ask her about you, too? I'm already on the hook for the king and this fish with a bad back, so, you know. It wouldn't really be any trouble. It was the right thing to say at the time, and with a nod, the farmer wished the man safe travels and success for both their sakes. So across the lake, through the kingdom, and past the farm, our poor man traveled, searching for any sign of chance. In a moment of doubt over which road to take, he spotted it. The place where chance lived was there, plain as day, marked with a sign that said exactly that. With a deep breath, the man patted his way up to the front door. But even before his hand began to knock, it opened. And there stood Chance. She had been awaiting his arrival. Seated inside the house, the man shared why he had come. At the end of his monologue, Chance folded her hands and nodded. Very well. Within the next few days, Chance would send the poor man three opportunities to make something of himself. Chances, huh? To be successful important, rich, whatever the guy decided to do. There was no set schedule. The man should keep a watchful eye and live his life to the fullest while he waited. With that, Chance stood and showed the man to the door. He was so thankful he could hardly speak. Oh, but before leaving, he managed to pull himself together and asked for the additional favors on behalf of his three new acquaintances. The pair discussed until Chance and the man nodded to one another. And that was that. He had done it. He had found Chance and he knew what he had to do. Retracing his steps, the man headed home. Along the way, he stopped at the farmer's land. Yes, he'd spoken with Chance, he shared. And would you believe it? Beneath the farmer's fields was incredible treasure. As in, like, make you rich beyond your wildest dreams, like fund a vanity project to space rich. That's why the crops grew but never produced, decade after decade. Their roots just couldn't run deep enough on account of all the fabulous treasure. The farmer threw down a shovel and slapped his knees. Treasure on his land. This was totally unexpected and wow, just wow. Hey, uh, why don't you stay and help me dig it all up? The farmer said, beaming. You know, I'd be more than happy to share the riches with you, seeing as how you're why this farm is actually going to produce anything this century. Poor man shook his head. No, sorry, he needed to get home. Chance was sending something super awesome for him. He was going to be rich. Don't worry about him. Gotta go, bye. The farmer shrugged and got to digging. Next, he came to the ruler who never won a battle. Discreetly this time, the poor man shared Chance's message. It seemed the ruler was a woman. Excuse me, the king, the ruler, barked. The poor man scuffled backwards and tripped over his own feet. Yeah, uh, Chance said, these are her words, these are her exact words, 
Chance said that because you're a woman, you couldn't win any. You know what? It was not worth repeating. Um, it just, she said some stuff. Let's not worry about what the poor man decided to say. He realized being, you know, blatantly misogynistic in front of the woman who could legally execute him. Maybe not a great idea. He put his hands up. What if we jazz this scene up and say that maybe two heads are better than one? Maybe pretend Chance said you need a supportive partner because being a ruler is a stressful job on your onesome. He tried again. The ruler gave the idea some thought and smiled. She could move on from this. Okay, fine. Did the poor man want to stand by her side and help lead the country with her? Wink. The poor man looked around at the lavish throne room to the attendants and guards awaiting their ruler's beck and call and a fine robe on every shoulder. Yeah, little, little cheap looking. He'd love to, but he really had to be getting home. He has something from chance on the way, and it's important. And uh, this time of year, people are always swiping stuff off porches. He had to go. Plus, it seems like ruling has kind of a lot of responsibilities. Yuck. With that, he turned and left, leaving the ruler and the entire court speechless. Finally, he came to the third acquaintance, the fish. It seemed as though the creature's back was even more out of whack than before. You've really got to take better care of yourself, you know, the man teased, and the fish waved a fin. That was a funny angle, though, and the movement made the fish grimace all the more. Here, the man said, beckoning the fish closer. I spoke with Chance, and your problem is that you have a thorn in your back, and I know how to remove it. Moments later, the thorn was out and all it took was a slight puff of air across the fish's back. Honestly, it was crazy it hadn't just fallen out on its own. The fish was eternally grateful to the human for his assistance, and asked to repay the man the best he could. At the bottom of the deep lake lay an ancient and forgotten city, filled with amazing treasures and some cool inventions for people with hands. Wait here, and I'll bring up everything I can find. You know, put this young back to good use, am I right? Oh, that's, that's really nice, the man exclaimed. But, you know, he couldn't really wait around. He had to get home. There was this thing from Chance headed his way, and he'd be really upset if he missed it. The fish bobbed in disbelief, but all the stuff. Yeah, I mean, sure, whatever. I'll, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to explore the wide world, so final offer. The man laughed and looked at his wrist, where a watch would have been if that were a thing. Totally fine. He really should get going, though. You're looking limber, he called out with a grin and jogged away. And so it was that the poor man arrived home, eager, excited, and ready to receive whatever opportunities chance might send his way. He waited and waited, and when night fell, he hopped into bed with wide eyes. And there he waited, hour after hour, year after year, determined not to miss the opportunities Chance would send his way. Even if you saw the ending coming, this is still a fun little story, and we love that it plays on threes, rises and falls, and ends pretty much in the same place where it began. Oh yeah, and when it comes to next week, Monkey King is still on his way. That story just needed a little bit more time, so we put this one out first. For less than the price of six pairs of 2021 New Year's glasses, where someone on Amazon is really hoping someone doesn't check a calendar before they click buy now, you can get extra episodes and ad-free versions of the show. That will never go out of date. Check out mythpodcast.com membership for more info on the membership. 
The creatures this time are the Namahage from Japan. The Namahage are the passive-aggressive monsters that visit you during the holidays that aren't family. They are oni, demon monsters, that live in the forest and, once a year at New Year's, the horned, red or blue-skinned monsters are released by the gods and descend from the mountains wearing straw leggings and raincoats, carrying large knives and asking you if you're ready for them to peel your blisters. Their name actually comes from some variation of the words peel blisters because, on New Year's Day, they'll go door to door asking various questions, one of which is if you're ready to have your blisters peeled. I guess during the winter, people who spend too much time idle by the fire would get heat blisters or a rash. The monster will then offer to help you peel your blisters with its machete that also apparently doubles as a pet egg. Like most evil creatures, they are apparently very eager to help you discipline your children and like Krampus or every grim fairy tale ever, they serve as a warning to what could be if children misbehave, as in the children could be going with them and getting eaten. And I imagine a demon coming to your door asking your parents if you're behaving might be enough to get you through the year, or at least January. They also like hassling newly married couples, and back in the day, the couple had to lay out dinners and sake for the blister peelers, and then detail every bad thing they did that year. There's a legendary origin for these monsters, when a very early version were stealing crops and people from the villages of the Oga Peninsula. They all worked out a deal where, if the blister peelers would build a thousand steps to the local shrine halls in one night, basically from the sea to the mountain peak, the people would stop fighting them and instead supply them with food and a human every year. If they couldn't do it, they had to leave the people alone and, I guess, only get humans if they were given humans. It looked like they were actually going to pull it off before dawn, so the leader of the village thought of a quick and easy solution. They crowed like a rooster. The monsters, not looking at, you know, the sky to verify, put down the stones and went home to the mountains. Normally, I'm pretty anti-cheating people out of their wage for their work, but when people demand people-less payment, I think you're good to try to get out of that one. That's it for this time. Myths and Legends is by Jason and Carissa Weiser. Our theme song is by Broke for Free, and the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.